Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 241 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. A new year means we can all look forward to an exciting new beekeeping season and there's no better way to get excited for it than to make some plans for the coming year. Stay tuned to hear what I have planned for the coming season. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome again to my weekly beekeeping podcast and a busy old week it's been. We had to contend with a bank holiday last Monday here in the UK, but for me it meant having to be home a little earlier than normal from popping out and about hefting and generally making sure our colonies are all in good condition for the start of this new year and the period of colder weather that's likely to head this way at some point before we reach the comfort of our warmer spring weather and see our colonies start to grow rapidly. Well, at least that's what I hope. The hefting is important. It lets me know if I have any colonies running short on food, because obviously they're lighter, but also if I find any colonies that seem very heavy, it alerts me to have a quick look under the roof to make sure we have live bees in there and that they're just being very frugal with their stores. We do have several colonies that will need a spot of food and at this time of the year we feed them fondant. Now this can be the premium honeybee-specific, vitamin-rich custom products that are out there, or simply some baker's fondant of the type you'll find on those very tasty iced buns. This year, I'm having to tighten the purse string somewhat, and although I've always found Pasta fondant to be really effective for our bees, I just couldn't justify the increases in price this winter and have had to opt for the cheaper but still effective baker's fondant type of product. We took delivery of just that fondant this last week, a pallet of 60 boxes ready for any colonies that might need it, but also because it was a special low price and it will keep all year long if we don't use it and we can make use of it again next winter. I was also happy to be able to share the fondant with members of our local beekeepers association, the Norwich and District BKA. But let's not get too far ahead of our season. There's lots to look forward to before then. I'm going to focus today on my beekeeping plan, as I mentioned last week. It's really important to have a direction of travel through your beekeeping season, as it gives you purpose and order to what and when things might happen. Of course, there are a lot of other jobs to tackle and discuss with you, but I want to share my thoughts on what we're going to do with the bees first and foremost, because without them, we don't have a business. 
and I hope it will give you something to think about in relation to your bees and your plans for the coming season. Remember, it's all down to the weather to a greater extent. We have to wait until our season changes and the bees are getting really active. Otherwise, we could do more harm than good. And beware of those books and magazines that tell you to carry out a specific manipulation during a given month. Always moderate when you carry out important jobs by checking the local weather conditions and ask yourself if what you're doing will improve your bees or check their progress. First up for me, we need to restock. As I've already talked about in previous podcasts, we've lost a lot of nucleus colonies, mainly to wasps in the late autumn, but made worse by the cold snap in December. That burst of colder weather basically wiped out the smaller nukes that had been hit badly by the wasps and were just too small to survive. So how are we going to restock? Well, what we're not going to do is be in any rush to restock because we're going to make splits from our strongest colonies in the spring, but not too early. And I can't emphasise this too much. If we do it too early, we'll make a tricky situation a lot worse. By that I mean strong colonies that are split too early become slow to build up. Cold weather in the spring holds them back. The split nukes take an age to develop and attempts to produce queens can result in drone layers that then need replacing just as we're getting to the exciting part of the season. This is what I mean by not being led rigidly by books and magazines. Use a little common sense and seek advice if you're unsure. If you've only got one hive, I would absolutely encourage you to split it into two. It's not particularly tricky to do, and you'll then have a second colony to recover any problems that develop in the other hive. I'll come back to the splitting of colonies in a moment because before we get there, we have a load of kit still to clean. It feels like I've been talking about cleaning kit since we took feeders off the hives last autumn, but it's still there to be done. The good news is that most of the national and commercial kit is now clean. Just a few feeders, oh, and a stack of queen excluders to sort, and they'll all be sorted. To be honest, I can't wait to get to the position of just having the Langstroth hives. It's going to make our work so much easier and a lot more efficient. After the national and commercial kit is gone, I can turn my focus to the Langstroth equipment that needs cleaning quite a bit of it actually, but we should be able to work through it quite quickly and because of the plans we have for the spring, we're not going to need hundreds of supers for the oilseed rape crop. Let me explain as we head into our seasonal plan. The season breaks down into distinct phases for us. Late winter into early spring. This is where we'll reconcile and count what we have. It becomes a kind of starting position for the new season. It currently looks likely to drop a little further because of the small nukes that we have. But if we stagger into spring with a hundred or more colonies, I'll go with that. We do have some very large colonies out there. It's not all doom and gloom. And of course, I'm an optimist. We can rebuild. The late winter phase is our time for cleaning everything. Clean, clean, clean. Uh, It just has to be done. It has to be the biggest chore of the entire process. But of course it's necessary, so we'll get it done 
and move on. Winter will soon become spring, and as soon as we start to warm up, my focus will turn to building up colonies to that point of almost swarming, and then hopefully we can intervene just in time to get our numbers building back up with those splits. My preferred method is the same as we used last year, with such excellent results, I have to say. If we can get the bees onto double brood setups and have brood in both boxes, we can then split these boxes so that we have one queenright colony and one queenless colony. To do this, you do need plenty of kit. For each split, you will require a complete additional hive and a feeder, of course, but the results, I think, are well worth it. Timing is going to be crucial. If you start too early, then you may stall that colony. If you start too late, they may swarm. It's always been this way, and I'm hoping that last year wasn't a fluke and that we've found a system that works well for us. And this is a really important point for you to take on board. Not all methods will work for every beekeeper. It may be that you can't lift heavy brood boxes to make vertical splits, or it may be that you can never find your queens. It really doesn't matter. There's a method out there that will work for you, and if you can find that method, don't worry what everyone else tells you is the right or wrong way to make increases or splits or raise queens or whatever it is. It's your hobby, so do it in a way that fits your routine and your beekeeping. Now with all these splits, I'm going to need a lot of queens. Lucky then that I've pre-ordered a lot of them. I also hope to produce a few queens from queen cells found in these colonies that will be near swarming, thus keeping, hopefully, the overall costs of queens down, well, just a little, this season. However, with this in the plan, it does mean I have to set some of my timings to the queen breeder and their ability to supply me with well-mated queens. There's no point in splitting colonies only to find I'm four weeks ahead of when these new queens will be ready for me, so I'll liaise with them to get my timing spot on, or at least as close as I can. Because of the need to make a large number of splits, I'm going to sacrifice a significant portion of my spring crop, the oilseed rape honey that beekeepers seem to have a love-hate relationship with. But this year, I don't mind so much, and my reasons will become apparent shortly. It obviously makes sense that something has to give. Increased colonies for the summer means less honey crop in the spring, and this year I want to build up to somewhere around 250 colonies in total, although that does seem a long way off right now. I do think that with some natural splits to prevent swarming and the introduction of new queens, we should get pretty close, somewhere around 200 plus colonies, and I'll be very happy. When we think towards the summer nectar flow and our primary honey crop of the year, once again it will be borage. It's somewhat strange to think that our main focus for the summer honey crop is a kind of two-week period sometime in July. Miss it and the yield will be considerably down. Get it right and we're looking to fill barrels once more. Borage is an interesting crop. The flowers open gradually to begin with, one at a time. And then there's a sudden rush where lots of other flowers will open, and if we have the right conditions, we should get a flood of nectar, which in turn becomes those barrels of honey. 
but we do have to get our timing right. If the primary nectar yield in the borage is the second week of July, I need colonies at maximum strength with the maximum number of foragers at that time. It's no good having a brood box full of sealed brood and low numbers of foragers that will be ready two or three weeks later. We may have missed the boat by then. So that's where we need to set our plan timeline. At aiming to get all of these splits built up in time for weeks one, two and three of July or thereabouts. Working backwards from this point, I'd really like the new queens to have a chance to fully lay up a brood box and have emerging workers by the time we get to the first week of July. That means eggs being laid through the first week of June and beyond. Hopefully we'll get those bought-in queens coming to us for the first week of June. That's my target anyway, and that would be ideal. Last year, because we had an early start to the season, our queen supplier was able to get queens to us in late May. That gave our queens an additional week to get eggs laid, and in turn meant colonies were really bursting for the borage flow. It worked really well for us. It's around this time that we need to make sure we have supers ready for all of those colonies, so anything that needs frames and fresh wax foundation will need to be sorted by late May, ideally, so we can get them moved into position in good time. I'd like to set up some colonies to produce cut comb this year, so we need to get some of that thin wax foundation on order and mark boxes accordingly. I may have mentioned before, but we have irrigation on the farm that failed with the borage last year, so I'm really excited about the prospect here. <laughs> we'll probably have no need for it this summer. That would be about right, wouldn't it? If all that isn't exciting enough, we may well have access to some heather moors to put our bees on for the first time this year. I'm still waiting for confirmation, so I'm not totally sure what's going to happen, but it would be a bit of an adventure to take our bees to some heather moors and see if we can get a crop of heather honey. It's all a bit of a mystery to me, to be honest. We've never had an opportunity to take a crop of heather honey before, so it will make for some interesting videos and podcasts later in the season. I'm told we should be ready to take the strongest bees to the heather pretty much as soon as the borage has gone over, so it's going to be a mad few weeks if it does happen, and I'll keep you up to date with our progress on that front as I get more news. Finally, autumn into winter. I know it seems a long way off, but no more late summer splits for me, at least not for a while. Last year was such a disappointment, suffering so many nucleus losses as we did. I'd much rather go with our spring splits, a time of course when wasps are still trying to build their own nests, so they never pose a problem to our nukes in the same way that they decimated our splits last autumn. Before all of that, of course, I need to get cracking with my plans for our free coaching plus teaching sessions. Thank you to all of you that responded to my simple poll. Getting that feedback on what topics you'd like to attend allows me to get some plans in place, although everything is once again up in the air in terms of location. It's all got a little bit complicated and it now looks as though we may have to move out of the unit here in Norwich and find something bigger but closer to Norwich than the grain store. Hopefully we'll get some more definitive answers in the coming week or two and can get cracking with that. Just another thing to keep me on my toes. 
Finally, if you're in the UK and a regular reader of the BBKA News, you might have spotted I got an honourable mention in one of the articles last month. Thanks, Pete, for pointing it out. If you haven't seen it, we're highlighted in a graph on page 26. It seems I'm a little more useful than a dummy, but not quite as useful as a Haynes manual. Take a look and you'll see what I mean. And on that bombshell, as Jeremy Clarkson would say, that's all we have time for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. And don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques. It's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.